Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by the TCT content team. And today we are coming to you live, but it won't be live when you hear it, from TCT 360 at the NEC Birmingham. I'm Laura Griffiths, I'm TCT Head of Content and I'm joined by... Sam Davis, Senior Content Producer. Sam, you don't sound that sleepy after three days pounding the floors at the NEC, it's weird. I feel sleepy <laughs> and my feet are in agony, so that's the first trade show in 18 months for you. Yeah, you can hear a lot of ops madness going on around us because we are recording this podcast at the very end of the show and the uh, the breakdown is about to commence in around 40 minutes. So we're yeah. trying to get this done. So if you hear a lot of noise and commotion going on in the background, that is that is just the magic of show business, people. Yeah, even though we've kind of buried ourselves in a <laughs> random corner of the NEC, we can still hear stuff going on. Yeah, but it has been a really busy week and it's been a good week. It's been so nice to walk around the show. In fact, all three shows really, because we've been mm-hmm. co-located with Intplast and MedTech this year. Um, and just hear how excited people are to get back to live events. I know me personally, I was pretty nervous about coming back to to a live trade show setting, but mm-hmm. everybody's been really nice and welcoming and just enthusiastic about the industry coming back together and just being able to speak to people face to face. Yeah, I think it's been busy for one, so that obviously raises people's spirits, but I think everyone's just so glad to get back to it, to see people face to face. To meet people, you know, that they always meet at trade shows, but also the new people that you like, you can't replicate that on Zoom because mm. you can't just bump into someone on Zoom. Yeah. Whereas here, you bump into someone, and for us, we're onto a, you know, a new technology or story for for the guys exhibiting there. Maybe you know they've got a new lead that they weren't expecting to get just from a chance um, meeting. So yeah, I think everyone's pleased to finally get back. Obviously, we had Rapid a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. For next in five, six weeks, it's like we've never been away. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I've talked to so many people. I mean, people that I've never met in person before, but it's been really nice to hear of them meeting up with customers for the first time and actually not seeing them over uh, Zoom. I think it was um, T3DMC, the 3D measurement company, and they were saying that they've got this really mm-hmm. fast scanner on the show floor. It's the um, it's the iScan um, handheld uh, 3D uh, full-color scanner, and they were saying they've been trying to give demos over zoom but it's almost not as as good because one it's tricky anyway to do it in a virtual setting but also it really is that quick and i was dead impressed when i watched this mm-hmm. demo but they said when we're showing people like virtual demonstrations we have to be like well this is live by the way like you know we're not just cutting and editing these things <laughs> you are actually watching this happen right before your eyes and so i think it's nice to have that tangible yeah. you know interaction with people and just to be able to see these things happen live so it's been good i'm i'm pretty tired i'm not looking forward to the drive home i'm hoping that i have enough petrol in my car that means i don't have to get stuck in queues at a garage on the way home yeah i stopped at a service station um on the way here probably the last one before um getting to the nec and yeah, got stuck in a in a queue for fuel that I wasn't actually a part of. Me it too. Went so far back that it was into the car park, um, and yeah, I'm hoping that my half tank full of diesel will see me through. 
a two and a half hour journey. Yeah, I did exactly the same and it was not worth the small caramel latte that I pulled over to get. I didn't even need it. I was like, oh, the novelty, <laughs> going for a trade show, get my Costa on the way there. But it wasn't worth getting in the accidental queue. Anyway, should we get onto the things that we've actually seen this week at the show? Because there's been um, a few product launches mm-hmm. um, throughout and some happening right up until today, actually, which mm-hmm. has been really nice because usually Sam and I will spend that first Tuesday just, you know, not been able to get any news up because yeah. we're dotting from place to place and everyone puts that on the same day. But it's actually been uh, spread out quite nicely this year. So um, the first one I wanted to talk about was that uh, was We Matter. Sam, I know you covered this one on the website earlier today. Yes. So um, after you've been to see We Matter, I, I quickly followed to just uh, introduce myself because, as you were saying, um, just now I've been speaking to We Matter for a few times over the last 12 months. And this is the first time I've met them and hadn't really realised that this is the first time I was meeting them. Um, but yeah, on their stand, there was um, the Aurora TPU material, um, which is joining their portfolio, which also includes PA12 and PA11. So it's their first soft and flexible material, which obviously um, opens up a whole load of new applications for them, um, you know, shoe soles and hoses and gaskets and, and tyres and things like that. Um, they also think you know that there's going to be applications for them in the medical and healthcare sectors mm-hmm. and yeah that rounded off what sounds like it's been a positive show for them um, the material was developed in collaboration with one of their largest customers um, who they've not named but I'm sure we'll, we'll find out more about them in in time and yeah they seem pretty excited obviously they launched the latest version of their machine nearly 12 months ago now they've they've added some kind of ancillary products around that recently. They've had, uh, I think, about four million in funding this year as well. So, um, they're, you know, they're kind of growing as a company. Obviously, mm-hmm. that kind of um, smaller format SLS technology is, is picking up these days. We've had the Fuse One uh, from Four Levels at the show as well. And obviously, you've got Sintra and Sintra Tech also on the market. And, yeah, they're doing some some work on, on their materials portfolio. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah, they seem pretty excited about about the future. Yeah, I was speaking to them a little bit today about materials and I was just impressed by the whole materials handling process because we talk a lot about office-friendly SLS. Sam, you've just done a whole feature on, on more accessible um, SLS in the last mag. And um, one of the things with that is it's quite a, SLS is quite a messy because it's a powder process. You know, if you're going to put this in offices, you can't have powder mm. everywhere. Um, and their way of transferring powder to the machine, I got a demo of it earlier. There's literally just a little slot that comes out of the front of the gravity machine. And it's kind of like a bit like a poster tube, really, mm. which is filled with material. You slot that in, material just goes out into the machine, take the tube away, no powder whatsoever on the floor. It was just a really slick process. And I thought I could actually see that in somebody's office. It just like loading their mm. printer cartridge. Uh, and it was like, um, I, I think it was like a cardboard tube as well. So I thought, you know, it's also not a load of waste material either. And they were talking about sustainability as well and kind of the, the base materials of the the powders. And it is all kind of pointing to this and making the, the process much more sustainable. And, you know, when they were talking about some of the applications that their technology is used and just how, you know, there's certain industries where like their standard of material obviously needs to be really, really mm-hmm. um, exact. So, you know, you, you need to have fresh powder. But then they were talking about recycling powders that you know say the leftover powders has not been used putting that into applications where maybe you don't need those kind of like high high specs really like something like maybe just like um 
a medical model for teaching mm. or something like that how you know you can think differently about where you reuse materials where those kind of properties don't matter as much and I've never really thought about that it seems um really really simple but they had quite a lot of nice examples on the booth of just the the um small materials lineup um so far ranging from there was some lattices for like a, a mm. car tire which was really nice and then some medical devices as well and one thing I did like about the the booth um sorry about about the visit to their booth was that um, they were talking about the different industries that they work in and because of where their booth is, it was kind of in the near to the crossover with, with mm. MedTech. And they were talking about how um, they they had a, a, a potential customer coming from MedTech who was a, a, in the medical industry. And they were um, talking about how they, they just needed afford, affordable SLS. You know, they wanted it to be put in their office. They wanted specific materials that could be used in medical. Um, and it, basically they, they fit all of this, this criteria. And I just thought it was a nice... It, it we already know there's a lot of crossover between 3d printing and med tech but that was just a really nice story of just somebody wandering in from another show wandering into tct and like find exactly what what they needed there so yeah like you said sam i think they're having um, a really good event today and it was just nice to to see that machine um in person there are a few other launches as well that have happened this week. One is Photocentric, which uh, we knew a little bit about um, beforehand. So they first of all have recently announced a new printer, um, which I think first went on display at a dental show recently. Idea. Yep. Um, and so that's been brought to TCT36 this week. So first time for the UK market. But they've also um, launched a new piece of additive software too. Sam, I know you've been to visit the booth to talk to the guys about this. Yeah. So I went over, um, well, I was planning to go over initially to see the, the LC Opus, um, which I think they've said is a, a fastest LCD 3D printer to date. Um, and they, yeah, they took that to IDS last week, said it was very well received by, um, you know, the guys at that show, which is obviously a big dental show. Mm -hmm. um, and then they, they, I think they announced maybe on Monday or Tuesday that um, they've also launched the, the photocentric additive software. Um, but starting with the LC Opus, um, they, they describe it as an excellent all-rounder. They've got the, um, the LC Magma, I think, as the, the kind of workhorse, and this one is primarily targeted at the kind of the, the smaller applications, fine features, which why dental is a big market for that machine. Um, and yeah, the, it's a, a fast machine, as they say, cure speed of about two seconds per layer at 50 um, UM of resolution, mm -hmm. low running cost, uh, build volume of 310 by 174 by 220 millimeters. Um, and and they say it's you know reliable and repeatable performance which obviously is, is what everyone at the show wants to to hear and um materials they're you know open materials um they're working with the likes of basf and, and keystone again keystone big in, in dental on on developing materials and um i think the pricing for that machine is uh, around six thousand mm -hmm. so it's you know pretty affordable um and yeah i think they they say it's kind of you know ready to go straight out of the box um pretty pretty easy to get um to get going with and i think it's shipping if it's not shipping already it'll be shipping um pretty soon either this month or next month um well this month by the time this comes out it'll be yeah. October. <laughs> um and then the software um they've been developing or working with uh core technology um who have their background in in cad conversion but I've developed a software that obviously supports any file, but 
it works in multiple 3D printing processes and it works in machining, but they've been working with uh, photocentric to, to give them um, kind of advanced lattice and texture capabilities. Um, again, opening the application for photocentric. Mm-hmm. And um, they've been working together for about a year. They're going to start with the, the magma for that so that it will be available, I think, at some point in the future with the LC Opus, but it's going to be available first with the LC Magma um, and, the, and you know, that's going to help them kind of go after automotive interiors, sports goods, eyewear, footwear, consumer goods, mm-hmm. because of the kind of custom design features that they're able to do and the ability to support lasses and kind of have that variation in the in the texture. So Photocentric had a busy couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, they've had a busy couple of weeks and a busy past year, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've covered Photocentric so many times um, in the mag, and they were probably one of the most impressive stories throughout the, the pandemic when we talked about how 3D printing was being used and how they set up their big printer farm in uh, Peterborough mm-hmm. um, to produce, was it was it 7 million face shields for the NH- NHS? Sounds about right. It was yeah. several million anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they've just, um, they just keep going from strength to strength, really, and it's, uh, as <laughs> we told you to be a commotion outside um and yeah it's just it's it's been great to see them um on the show floor this weekend with this new piece of startup where that as you say really does with the texture and open up all these different markets and these more uh, i think consumer facing mm-hmm. um, industries uh, really so yeah that's another uh, really interesting one a few other um companies we've been to visit this week and um, not necessarily um launches but just um new products that have just appeared um on the market over the last 18 months and you and i have been talking about this a lot of the last few weeks that you know um when we get up to a show we kind of know like what's happening the launches that happen they, they, because people tend to wait for a big mm-hmm. trade show like tc360 to, to launch these technologies but of course nobody's had anywhere to go for 18 months so sam and i have attended a lot of, of virtual launch events um but that meant that this week really was kind of the the premiere for a lot of um, technologies and particularly um, in the UK as well. So, um, for example, all the technologies launched by Stratasys over the mm-hmm. last year, which I know you've looked at, you know, in depth with, with uh, different people. And you've also had a meeting with, with Stratasys today um, as well. So things like the, the SAF technology and uh, the first time I've seen any parts from that and mm-hmm. seen them finish with uh, Dimensions technology today as well, which we'll touch on in a second, because that's also been a big news story um, today. But seeing the various Stratasys technologies over on the laser line stand, uh, SYS and TriTech 3D as well. They've got various applications. So, um, you know, these are machines that we've we've seen images of, but we've not really seen any part samples. So it's mm. been nice to actually be able to, to, to handle them this year. But um, speaking of laser lines, Sam, I know that you've been speaking to um, Exact Metal um, this week and they're part of the laser line stand, but they're also at TST360 in their own capacity as well. Yeah, and they're, they're another company who's been not yet announced it but they've been working on new technology themselves so they're expecting to introduce that at uh, next in a few weeks if all goes to plan um I'll, I'll obviously be writing up an interview with Juan Mario the CEO hopefully in time for that to kind <laughs> of preview that launch um but yeah it was great to I'd never met Juan Mario before and the exact metal team so it's great to finally meet them um and sit down and talk to them they pretty honest saying that COVID has been challenging period for the company mm-hmm. but i think the thing that got the company through it talking to the to the guys there was that they were fielding calls all the way through asking for their machines um so they knew the demand was there they, they weren't um fully able to kind of continue producing in the way they were before the yeah. pandemic 
but they knew that there's space in the market for their machine and obviously they're you know smaller format metal powder bed fusion um and it's that classic case i think could getting the price point down on a technology that's obviously in demand they're they're quite happy to not chase the big production opportunities that perhaps the rest of the market yeah. sees and wants to go after their they're focused on low volume production and tooling they kind of see that as one a bit more attainable probably in the short term and two there's more of that than than the big production opportunities totally. so it makes sense to go after that um they will be introducing a mid-sized machine um to cater for slightly larger builds and i think i think i'm right in saying that's what the launch will be at fall next if it's not at fall next it'll be next year but that is coming um because obviously right now they've got these they've got three machines the x m200c and, and the s and the x m300c um so they're working on kind of developing that that product range on hardware obviously they're doing work with materials but um yeah i'll obviously be able to tell you all more in the interview and i don't want to tell you too much otherwise <laughs> uh, there's no point in writing the interview but hoping that'll be up for next and then fingers crossed we'll be able to see another new machine um at, uh, in frankfurt i think that's a, quite an interesting point really as you say they're not because exact metal is all about making three uh, D metal printing more accessible, um, and they're not necessarily going after that production market that everybody else is talking about. And I think that's really good because it's similar again to that SLS story that we were talking about earlier. Mm. You know, um, they're not necessarily going after those like massive production capabilities of other powder based technologies, but it does very much have its place in those like smaller production shops. And you know, I know we, you spoke to a couple of service providers that are actually mm. using um, smaller SLS machines for service provider type business. Businesses, but yeah. um, you know, it, it, something like that metal has its own like niche market, really. And mm-hmm. that as you know, from that field and calls, oh yeah, there's obviously yeah. a huge demand for it. But um, it just reminded me that another machine we got to see this week was also the Fuse One from mm-hmm. Formas, which we had a very early demo version of it at TCT years yeah. back now, and it was very first under um, development. Because um, I think I think I'd seen an early model at Form Labs offices, mm-hmm. um, which was didn't have a shell on it or anything, and then yeah. I saw the next version at TCT. And it's been nice this year after the launch and um, to just see that one in person as well and just get to um, just to get to have a proper look at it because um, you know that's another machine that people have been very much looking forward to in terms of making these um, much more expensive, I'll say, technologies mm-hmm. accessible to smaller, medium-sized businesses. Yeah, well, it's. An entry point. I mean, Formlabs is a perfect example on the SLA side. I remember speaking to 3D Systems at a rapid show, maybe the last rapid show, and I was talking about the, you know, the the idea that Formlabs was a competitor, and they didn't see it that way. They mm-hmm. saw it as a they they both kind of exist in this ecosystem, and it works for both of them. Some people will buy Formlabs, and that's all they'll buy. But a lot of them will buy Formlabs, and then realise they need to move up and get a bigger machine. I think the same might be true of the SLS side, the same might be true of exact metal. I've been speaking to people at the show and they, they think the same might be true of even Stratasys and, and the SAF technology that they could, they might go and buy a, a SAF printer and they, that might be all they have, but a lot of people will buy it and realize maybe they need more capacity and right, move yeah. up to a bigger size machine. Um, and I think it works for companies. It's it's going to serve exact metal, for example, are going to serve a lot of universities and that's all they'll have, but they're also going to serve a lot of industrial companies who might need to at some point go bigger mm-hmm. and that might be with exact metal with their mid-sized machine or it might be with someone else but 
XAML can can live with that, and I'm pretty sure the EOSs and GEs and whoever else is of the world can live with that. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And just because you just mentioned the Ceph technology again then, and because we touched on laser lines, I do want to talk about um, two more partnerships that got announced today. They were announced today, but we knew about them anyway, just from walkthrough the, the show floor this mm-hmm. week. So um, Dime Mansion has announced a couple of partnerships with UK-based companies. So one of them is Laserlines, who are now going to be an official uh, reseller for their technology in the UK. But it also is a bit of a first as well for the UK. Um, Dimension described it as their quote next major milestone in Europe, and um, following the announcement of its partnership with Stratasys um, earlier this year um, to build a reference architecture for their SAF technology. So basically, getting parts throughout that end-to-end process, coloured and finished, which we have seen some examples of today on the TriTech stand. Um, so Laserlines is now the first uh, Dimension reseller in the UK to be offering that full um, SAF workflow, and um, but also and um, the Digital Manufacturing Centre, which. You will have heard from a previous podcast. Um, is the UK's huge engineering-led additive manufacturing advanced manufacturing facility. Um, they opened two months ago now, and they're here at TC360 today with um, a really interesting uh, feature. Actually, they they've kind of got a pathway running through their booth, which mm. really just talks you through that adoption journey for additive manufacturing from the design stages all the way to I think they've got um, a Stratasys machine and a Renishaw machine on the booth and talking about the different application opportunities there. So they have also got a partnership with Diamond which existed already they've got some dimension tech already in the in this facility but they're also installing one of dimensions power fuse s vapor polishing systems and, and i didn't realize that the dmc had stratasys SAF technology in there this is this is news to me but apparently that's going to be the first of its kind of these engineering led uh, facilities that um will have this end-to-end dimension SAF architecture and that is a European first um, I believe so yeah another um, interesting partnership here and you know I've spotted dimension on a few stands actually where I was speaking to uh, Matsura yesterday um, you've got a really nice booth this year with um, you know t- technologies I didn't even know they, they had um, so you know they've got a big HP system on their stand and they've also got some dimension technologies talking there about how they're now able to offer this end-to-end production solution uh, for their customers but also on their stand now they've got a number of desktop metal systems too um, which also because of the recent desktop metal and vision tech partnership means mm-hmm. they've also got the huge um, envision tech what is it called it's called the Envision Tech Extreme 8K printer. So they've got one of those on the stand. I didn't realize, I, I knew it was a big machine. I didn't realize just how huge it actually was. Um, but it's been nice to see stuff like that in person again. And because it's all in this one-stop shop of Matsura, um, it's been cool to see that end-to-end workflow there. We are going to talk to Matsura a little bit more. And I'm hopefully going to be doing a visit, an actual visit, Sam, mm-hmm. to a facility for a Through the Doors that isn't virtual. <laughs> Um, hopefully going to be visiting uh, the facility soon because they are at the minute undergoing an expansion. I'm going to go take a look at that and go and have a look at some more of these machines as well. But yeah, so Dimension's been um, in quite a few places um, across the show floor today. Today's episode is sponsored by Evolve Additive. I spoke to Director of Business Development, James Grimm, about their unique STEP technology. Step technology has just hit the commercial market and it is something completely different. So what it stands for is selective thermoplastic electrophotographic process. What this really is, is a uh, a three-step process. Think of like industrial uh, high volume 2D printing. And so what we've done is adapted that existing technology that's really proven and reliable from 
a great manufacturer, Kodak. And so we leverage their 2D printing and we create toners out of polymers, right? So thermoplastics. And once we've tonerized the thermoplastics, we can then use that printing technology and image thermoplastics in a similar way that, that they were imaging ink toners onto paper, right? Through a really high-tech 3D printing process, uh, we can align those plastic images on top of one another. They get fused together under heat and pressure, which is very similar to what's going on in an, in an injection molding machine. And so the net result is uh, very, very high resolution, very, very high detail, and a surface quality that is very similar to injection molding. And so what this allows us to do is really kind of poke into where injection molding currently has been uh, fulfilling manufacturing and with parts. And we, we are able to do this now with additive manufacturing and, and cut into what we kind of call our, our, our five pillars uh, of where our company stands on, right? And we want to deliver additive manufacturing that meets customers' needs for cost, a wide variety of materials, so real thermoplastic materials. We need to deliver parts that are of utmost quality. So it's very you know, identical or better than injection molding quality and at a speed to meet high throughput. And we want it to be scalable, right? Our technology can grow and it's versatile, it really kind of breaks away from maybe a lot of the limitations of, of traditional injection molding. As we look towards AM for production, there's a lot of interest around the idea of the factory of the future. What's Evolve's take on how AM fits into that vision? The factory of the future is something that we really live and breathe every day at Evolve, right? Uh, automated unloading and loading of our parts is built right into the machine. So no, no more trying to create some sort of crazy robotic arm integration. It's pretty straightforward with ours. And so we've designed the machine to work in, in a factory setting right from the ground up. We've already built what we call Evolve factory software. And this allows you to really tap into all the data that is collected during the build process of our machine and leverage that for things like you know, ERP systems or MES systems and really sort of integrate this machine in an automated fashion into your own uh, production scheduling, ordering, fulfillment, it's really designed right from right out of the gate to be play very friendly with all of these fantastic automation tools and AI tools and big data tools that are coming our way. And another trend that we're really seeing right now is conversations around the role of additive manufacturing on supply chain. Where does Evolve fit into that conversation? Product producers are looking at how do they manufacture closer to the point of purchase. So you can start doing things like part rev control at a central headquarters and you know you can print parts at high volume and high mix at specific sites around the world. And so rather than calling up your contract manufacturer, having them pull a, pull a tool off of a shelf and prep it for molding, this is just send the data to your SVP machine that's sitting at your, at your manufacturing facility and pressing print. For more information, visit evolveadditive.com. Um, Sam, I want to move on to um, Octon as well, who've had some news this week. Yeah, so um, it was announced earlier this week that um, Octon and their um, MES software um, 
has helped um, one of their one of their users, um, I'm nervous, AM nervous, not not sure how you pronounce that, achieve um, ISO one three four eight five certification um, for the added manufacturer of medical devices like orthopedic and, and spinal implants in titanium material. Um, Opton have been here exhibiting that software, which is not only MES to be fair, but IoT and they've got some design capabilities all on the one platform. Um, and I spoke to the guys there and they were they were telling me kind of, you know, what their vision is, mm -hmm. making manufacturing more sustainable in terms of not just the environment, but for businesses to, you know, keep manufacturing yeah. and be able to keep supplying their um, their own customers. They obviously they obviously partner with a load of the vendors who you'll see at shows like TCT three sixty, like Stratasys, NEOS, HP, Trump. Um, and obviously they were bought out by or are set to be bought out by 3D systems um, for I think it was 180 million. Yeah. Um, a lot of money. And they were able to tell me a little bit more about that deal. Um, so obviously from the outside looking in, 3D systems are buying a company that's working with a load of their competitors. Mm -hmm. um, but they were telling me that they're going to remain an independent organization. There's going to be a firewall up between what Opton do with 3D systems and what they do with everyone else. So 3D systems can't see any, any of the work they do with those, you know, EOS, Trump, etc. Um, and they're telling me that you'll never see them on 3D systems stand at trade shows. Okay. They're going to be separate, at least that's the plan for now. And interestingly, actually, although 3D systems are acquiring Opton, it's more like Opton are integrating the software Side of 3D systems business. Okay. So Opton are going to be kind of in control of that. And I reminded myself of this when I was talking to all of our colleagues that when I was in, maybe it was the last rapid, I was speaking to 3D systems and I was on the topic of MES in particular. And they were telling me that they were developing their own MES software in house and they were testing it out on their medical facilities, I think, in Europe and North America. And that would make sense then that they've you know, two and a half years later, whatever, they've decided they're going to go forward with Opton. And I would imagine Opton are now going to be able to use whatever they already have there mm -hmm. and and go from there and kind of use their experience. Because Opton, their founders have come from Autodesk. They know what they're doing with software. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that all works. But they're still going to be able to work with EOS and Trump, Stratasys, HP and all the rest of them. Um, nothing's going to change in that regard. They're going to be independent, um, which is interesting from the 3D system side that it's going to benefit 3D systems, obviously, but it's going to benefit their competitors. Whatever happens to Opton is going to work for 3D systems, but also the rest of the industry. Well, yeah, because wasn't it on the same week when that news got announced, I think uh, Opton had announced integration into Stratasys GrabCAD. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, all, all these, um, you know, other major companies in the industry, but um, I suppose you have to think of it as a, you know, a rising tide, really, don't you? And, you know, it, it all pushes the industry forward. It's all for the, for the good of the industry. And it is interesting to know that they are going to be kept as a separate business and, when we go visit them at trade shows from now on, we'll yeah. still see them in a in a separate uh, capacity. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess just more examples of the consolidation that's happening in the industry, which I feel like I've seen examples of throughout the show floor this week. Actually, just when I'm seeing uh, machines now on other booths, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, you used to be on that one, but now yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. with these guys. Yeah.
Um, another technology that I wanted to quickly touch on, but I'm not going to go too into too much detail because I want to cover it in the next issue. See, all of this now is just to get people to subscribe mm-hmm. to the next issue of yeah. Mag. They're called 4D Biomaterials. Um, they were exhibiting in the MedTech section, not at uh, TCT360, but again, interesting crossover between the two she- uh, sectors. They have basically created um, materials um, that are implantable materials for the body, um, but they absorb into the body. So it can be used for various types of applications. And there are several applications on the booth. There was one for like um, vascular stents, um, but really like a tiny microstructure. So this can go incredibly small. And another interesting application as well, they had um, they had an example, it was a lattice structure and it was used um, in basically as a breast conserving device after um, a lumpet to me um but one thing i found interesting is that in medical 3d printing we're all talking about customization customize it to the wearer you scan it make sure it fits their body uh, that's not always practical in an actual medical setting but really you know surgeons that they've spoken to have said well we you know we can take this part but we can just cut it to fit like we don't mm-hmm. need it making into that exact size we could take this device as it is and just cut it to size because they're surgeons and, and that's what mm-hmm. they do and i thought that seems really obvious but makes total sense really rather than having to go for a customization process um but yes yeah, so it was very different things um another one there was a, an example of a bone again a lattice structure and is where there was a breakage and you can insert this uh, 3d printed lattice and the bone when when the the bone regrows it will grow into this lattice which will eventually just absorb itself into the body so really interesting this thing just just um hasn't been possible before um and they've basically set themselves these when they were first developing the material they set themselves a few criteria that they said you know they needed to achieve in order to create this material and they said that the ideal biomaterial for use in regenerative medicine must be biocompatible promote tissue regeneration have non-toxic biodegradation and have mechanical properties suited to the host issue and good handling properties in a clinical environment and they seem to have done this they're still very much in it's been developed for a long time but it's still very much in the early stages of the business so uh, yeah look out for um, a story in the next issue of tct other things that we've come across today at the show oh another launch i wanted to mention i haven't had a chance to talk to these guys while i've been here and it's too late now because the show is closing mm-hmm. um but e3d have um announced a um a new rapid change um tool changer ecosystem um, and the reason why i haven't been able to speak to them is because every time i've been to their booth they've had so much on their booth anyway so, from robots roaming around and things like that but it's always been so so yeah. busy and um, so i've gone and i've taken some photos of the park but i didn't stand a chance actually getting to, <laughs> to speak to somebody but i had a quick look at it anyway and um, so it's basically they've introduced the first member of this e3d rapid change family the revo and um, so it just allows you to rapidly change nozzles which makes it easiest to use the right tools when you need them there's a few different nozzle sizes that are available you basically just unscrew the nozzle do it at room temperature no need to faff about and then screw in the new one and that's pretty much it Mm -hmm. um i'm looking at twitter and the amount of interaction that these guys have been getting from this because again i couldn't speak to them but the makers certainly did um people are really excited about the ability to do this they were really cool they're always a cool stand anyway it's mm-hmm. it's i remember it was a, f- a few years ago now and those guys had a nozzle that was um, in one of our awards categories at the tct awards and it was the kind yeah. of thing where you know it's it's a small application you might not necessarily notice it in a huge trade show full mm-hmm. of you know massive machines but in terms of the impact it has on you know people that use these types of systems these extrusion based systems it sounds like it's going to be not to use this horrible word but a game changer <laughs> Um, but I'm going to find out a little bit more about that, hopefully when I can get back and just give them a phone call rather than queue up at their mm-hmm. booth. Um, but yeah, that was another um, really interesting one, looking at their more, um, I say, um, desktop side of, of, of 3D printing. 
Any other sound that you want to touch on today? Um, I'll quickly mention um, Bowman Anderson Production, mm-hmm. who I spent an awful lot of time talking to yesterday afternoon. Um, they're obviously they. I think most people know they're a user of HP. They've got one machine and they're using one material, the HP forty two hundred PA eleven nylon, um, and they're they're basically manufacturing loads of these kind of roller bearing applications and other mm-hmm. precision engineering parts. Um, only doing non load bearing parts, um, but are are kind of they're doing really well. They're you know they're running that machine as hard as they can. As far as I'm aware, they they were telling me yesterday that they've managed at some point to get the volumes up to 500,000 parts, which are these tiny, like two millimeter diameter balls. But generally they're, they're working at volumes of about a few hundred, um, each time. And yeah, they're, they're basically, they were talking to me about their kind of, their aim is to make AM boring, which given I spent 90 minutes talking to them yesterday, they need to work harder at, um, because, <laughs> It was a really good conversation, most of which I can't relay um, on a podcast. But um, they're really cool. They're doing some cool stuff. And um, I was talking to them about the kind of the technology and what they want to see. And um, they're basically on the kind of theme of being boring. They just want the technology to work. So when you get them on the subject of maybe use another HP machine or another technology or the, the newer materials that... HP are bringing out that aren't just a PA11. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, we're interested, but we're only going to dive in when we know it's repeatable. We know it's up to our standard. I mean, yeah, we know we can just go into production with it. They don't want to spend the time doing the R and D themselves. They just want to get it when it works, which I guess is kind of coming from that traditional background. As they do, they just want it to work. But they did say that metal AM would would be they'd be keeping an eye on um, for obvious reasons. They like that nylons lighter weight than maybe some of the metal materials they've previously used, but you know, they'll keep an eye on it. And they also named Inkbit and Evolve as two companies they're keeping an eye on. Okay. Um, potentially for the kind of molten material capabilities, but I think it's more to do with the the way they measure things layer by layer to make sure it's absolutely accurate I think there. Um, not to say that they're, you know, placing an order tomorrow, but they're I think they're impressed by what they've seen so far from that technology and they're definitely keeping an eye on it. Cool. Well, now we've talked about some of the things that we have seen just walking around the show floor. I think me and you've only got about 10 minutes before someone's going to come in and say, can you please put on your high vis and your boots and come help us break down some things. Um, So I want to just just talk a little bit about the conference because as usual, we haven't had much time to actually sit in the conference because we've been walking around the show floor. But there's a couple of sessions that I wanted to mention. One of them was the Women 3D Printing panel session. This is the fourth one that we've had um, at TCT. Um, and this one this year was about mainly about sustainability, but with a slight focus on the aerospace sector. So we have um, co-hosting duties with Christina Sesma from Women 3D Printing and Uzi Woy from the Nuclear AMRC. We had Hoda Amel from the Manufacturing Technology Center. We had Melissa Orn from Boeing, who did an amazing presentation in the morning. And we had Robin Dahlen as well from ARC, who also gave a great presentation about um, kind of touching on the column in mm-hmm. uh, TCT recently you know about um kind of the the the, the joy of additive manufacturing and um, it was all about finding your AM utopia and what that means and it was just um, a really engaging presentation we got all of these uh, speakers together for this panel session and um, just to ask about the uh, green credentials of 3D printing what else can be done and there were so many interesting points raised that um 
things that I had not even thought about and we've just done a feature on greenwashing in yeah. 3D printing so I don't know whether that makes me a <laughs> terrible journalist um, but it was a really great talk and we are going to be using it for an episode of Additive Insight very very soon so I'm just going to say look out for that one because it is a really interesting conversation between um, four great experts from really different pockets of this mm-hmm. conversation because you've got Melissa who's the aerospace expert and then you've got Robin who of course deals with people from a consultancy um, basis, but had so many great thoughts on, you know, the things that we really need to to, to consider in, in, in additive manufacturing and, and the reality of how sustainable it actually is. And then also um, Udi and Hoda are coming at it from more of a, a research angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hoda had some great points about getting government involved in these kinds of initiatives as well. So uh, yeah, lots of things that um, I'm excited to put out um, on the podcast there and for, for you guys to listen to. So um, that was a great one. And just because I've just mentioned um, Robin's um, talk, which was kind of introductory talk to additive manufacturing in a way that it was about, you know, finding like what is the vision that you Mm -hmm. have for additive manufacturing? And I think what I've really enjoyed about this year's conference, because, you know, it's it's no secret we've been through many sort of lineup changes Mm -hmm. because of the, you know, the way we've had travel restrictions and coming into the UK and, you know, it in other countries that are not, you know, having their own travel restrictions. So we've had to switch the line up a few times, but we've really kept this um, this whole idea of how TC360 was going to cover this 360 degree vision of the AM adoption journey. And I really think the conference has achieved that. And the fact that we had so many talks that were talking about how do you design a business case for additive manufacturing? I mean, we had um, Oliver from Rethink Additive mm. who literally did an additive manufacturing workshop so yeah. that attendees could walk away and know what questions to ask for, what they needed to build an additive manufacturing business case. And there were so many talks like that, that I think if you've come to TC360 this week and you don't really know where to start with additive manufacturing, maybe you are just looking at it to, you know, a small machine to help with jigs and fixtures on your production line. Maybe that's what you want it for. Maybe you are looking at this particular part that you can't make any other way and you want to know whether additive is the right way to, with the right avenue to go down. I really think you will have found an answer this week because it's just been... Um, a great way to come and learn and honestly mm-hmm. to learn how to ask the right questions and um, Kevin Erz um, gave a presentation on kind of like a checklist really on mm-hmm. the right questions you should be asking and I think that's going to be another episode of Additive Insight because I just think so many people are going to find that incredibly useful. Sam did you manage to sit in any presentations this week because I know you've been busy darting around the show floor. Not an entire one which <laughs> meant that about five minutes into every one I did attend, I was like, I should have got here 10 minutes earlier and actually took in the full thing. So I'm glad we've got the recordings. I'm glad we're going to be able to put a few out on the podcast um, because the, the Women in 3D Printing panel was a good example of, as you say, hearing just little things that you're like, I've never heard anyone mention that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an interesting point about part consolidation and what that means for repairing parts they're less likely to fail but when they do fail you've got to replace the whole thing yeah that was such a good um, point i hadn't even thought of that yeah and, and there was another one as you mentioned getting governments involved but there was also i forget who it was now who mentioned it um but that users need to um really not hold the vendors to account but to demand that their their products are sustainable as it can be and the way that these technologies can become more sustainable as if they're almost competing with each other to be the most sustainable and to say that theirs is the greenest technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as we've seen with other things, that always kind of breeds competition and that enables the industry to progress. So um, 
that was good. Um, I saw a talk this morning from ABB, which was really interesting. It was all those, um, it was all about power protection. And again, I only caught the back half of that, but um, there were just some really interesting points being made there. And again, something that maybe a lot of people, when they invest in AM, don't really consider yeah. that whole idea of the infrastructure behind it. That maybe the industry isn't always amazing at telling people mm -hmm. the full story of exactly what you need, and people probably get bitten by that quite a bit. Um, so it's good to have those people talk about those things and talk about it openly and honestly because it might, in the short term, it's going to make people really consider whether to invest in AM, but long term, no one's going to be ticked off because they were missold something or they weren't informed about the whole thing totally. that they were investing in. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of there being, hopefully, fingers crossed, less disruption as we build up to the event. And in June, which I think it's June 8th and June 9th, it being is. back and having three stages and having one for adoption, one for evaluation, one for optimization. Totally. And then that's such a good point there, Sam, that you made then about, you know, we need to be having these honest conversations and telling people this is end-to-end -end process and what you actually need to truly adopt additive manufacturing. And I think we really have heard those conversations this week. And that's why, again, touching back on stands like uh, Laser Lines and, and Matsura, when you can see that end-to-end workflow, it shows people are, if people come to that stand, they're having mm -hmm. those conversations already. They know that they can't just buy a printer and just expect it to do it. Yeah. That, that's all you need. You, know, yeah. you need to be thinking about all these things that come with it as well. The design side, the post-processing side, things like, you know, um, I should just mention the ABB technology there. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that you've, that you've got to consider. And I, I, I am confident that, that people are being much more open and realistic about that now. Yeah, I think so. There's a couple of other panels as well. We had a few from ASTM this week, which were really interesting. And similar to you, Sam, I kind of caught like five minutes at the start, <laughs> five minutes at the end. And there was one um, on aerospace from ASTM, which I the, the bits I caught were quite interesting. Um, the, one of the points that we were going over was um, the idea of machine learning and, and, and data um, to sort of tying in with standards in the aerospace sector, but how data is pretty much the key to everything. And, you know, even though it is, we don't truly understand um, in aerospace what to do with that data and how to apply it and how aerospace as an industry is pretty obsessed with traditional legacy processes of it, which have sort of been the blocker to adopting more advanced technologies really but um the big takeaway really that pe the, the panelists kept reiterating was that it was all about collaboration and working with other people to understand okay what do we do with that data how do we then um you know make sure that we're talking to the right standards people how can you work together to meet those standards and um it was it was a really nice kind of um cross-section of people on that panel actually with different areas of expertise similar to the women in 3d printing one and um, i think we're probably going to use that as another podcast episode as well so don't worry people if you did mm -hmm. if you did miss these panels this week you will be able to catch up on them i think that's probably all we have time for today sam because we are going to get called away soon and we are going to put on our high-vis vest very shortly so you look mm -hmm. very you can't see sam's face right now but he looks very enthusiastic about that <laughs> yeah i don't know am i more enthusiastic about a two and a half hour drive home in the rain or mm. um, a high-vis jacket and some manual labour. If I say you can likely stop off at a road service station, though, and maybe get like a, a McDonald's, does that make it a little bit better? I don't know that it does. All right, okay, then. It depends, it depends on the fuel crisis. We've been locked away in this bubble. I've not <laughs> yeah. really followed it. I don't know what it's like out there. It could be chaos. There could uh. be fights on the motorway. I don't know. Well, the good week had to come to an end, didn't it, somewhere? Yeah. 
Um, so thank you very much for listening. It's been a great week here at TCT360. If you have been at TCT360, thank you so much for coming and supporting the event um, and, you know, really just supporting um, the live events industry, really, and the additive manufacturing industry, too. And to all of our exhibitors and speakers, thank you so much for this week. It has been a great return to events for us. And um, I am looking forward to, to it continuing. So Thanks very much. Uh, If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you want more additive insight, you can also head over to tctmagazine.com to subscribe for your free copy of TCT Magazine and read all the features we've just been previewing today (laughs) instead of talking about them. Um, And you can also get access to our weekly newsletter as well, which gives you uh, the top 3D printing news stories every single week. So thanks very much. And we'll see you again next time. Bye.